Hey, 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 thank you for joining in on the Key Conversation. It is your favorite host, Kiwana. Today, we'll be continuing our impactful career conversation. We have two amazing individuals who've chosen a career in the medical arena. Thank you both for joining me today. And as always, we'll go ahead and start with introductions. Jasmine, if you want to go first. So I'm Jasmine. I am currently in nursing school. I will... I started in January of 2022, and I'll be done this December. I'm working on my associate's degree, and then shortly after that, I'll be working on my bachelor's degree. Okay, welcome, Jasmine. Don, are you there? I'm here. Okay, I'm done. I'm graduated from Northwestern State University in May of 2010, so I've been a registered nurse now for 13 years. I've had tons of work experience in medical ICU, trauma ICU, uh, aka surgical ICU, neural ICU, burn ICU, you name it, I've done it. I've been doing travel nursing since about 2015-16, started off doing a lot of strikes and then start doing actual contracts. For those that might not know, strikes are just like a little short-term fill-in work that you do when hospitals are going through their labor disputes for union-type hospitals. I've been traveling there since. Okay. So I'm going to start off by asking both of you, what made you decide that you wanted to go into nursing? If we can start with Jasmine, like what made you make that decision? So I always just wanted a career where I can give back something to people. And I feel like nursing is just perfect um, because I like to, you know, care for people when they're at their lowest. And then it's also job security. So it's a shortage of nurses nurses right now. And so I always, you know, if I get tired of, you know, working in this field or if I want to move around, I think I'll always be able to find a job. Okay. What about you, Don? What made you want to become a nurse? For me, my role was a little bit different. It started, well, I've always wanted to be a doctor ever since I was a little boy. It didn't work out right for me going to college right out of high school for numerous different reasons. But basically in 2000, about 2006, I was working at a pharmaceutical company, then I got laid off. Um, Basically, they were just trying to protect their profit margin. In other words, they was just trying. They was making money, but wanted to save and earn more, make more money. So they let a lot of us go. So I told myself I would never let a company be decide my own potential. So it led me down the track of finding something I can go to school for that'll pay me as soon as I'm done. That no matter if a company lay off or not, it didn't matter. I would still always be able to get a good job, you know, make a decent wage to be able to help provide for my family as opposed to having such the drop off that I had where I went from making three times the money I was making to to nothing, pretty much. You know, to, to when I got a new job, it was basically pretty much pennies. So it was just about stability. But, you know, their love for healthcare has always been, as I mentioned, since I was a little boy. And nursing provided that stability. Thought first thought come to mind once I got laid off was like, okay, I can go to med school. But with having three children already, responsibilities, I was like, well, that's too long. Because I would have to do four years of undergrad. Uh, four years of med school, then some more years of residency. So at, at that time, my thought process was like, that's just too entirely long. So I ended up going to get my associate of science in nursing. Okay. That's how I ended up in nursing. That's how I ended up uh, going to Northwestern State University of Nursing, then ended up finishing 2010. So been loving it ever since. Okay. So, um, since, since you're talking, I'm going to ask, what was the most complicated adjustment you've had to make in the journey, in your journey? And I know you, you said, what was the, the most complicated, what was the most uncomfortable adjustment? Complicated, uncomfortable, which is oh, more, more complicated. Ooh, it was a couple things as being is a couple things with with we're going through school 
that may help people is self-teaching. We so used to just in high school or grade school, whatever you, of people spoon feeding us. Well, in college, it's not like that. You have to do a lot of your own self-work. You have to do a lot of your own reading, your own teaching, and you have to basically learn to trust yourself with the knowledge that you've read, that you retain that knowledge and able to give it back to them in the form of passing your test. That was probably alone in that sense one of one of the big adjustments and then just a culture shock from background of how i grew up to everything being completely different you're working with a lot of you know you were a very diverse group of people with different personalities different thought processes so that was a big challenge what about you jasmine so far what's been your most complicated adjustment whether it be you know with family or even, you know, with school? So, it's been a lot. Uh, so, I agree with Don. A lot of it is stuff that you kind of have to teach yourself because you may not have an instructor that wants to give you, you know, they just may want a lecture from the PowerPoint and that's it. They may not want to provide you the resources to really get the information. There is a lot of information that you're learning all at once and at a kind of a short period of time. Um, you also need to kind of figure out what's your best, what's the best way for you to learn um, because and you got to figure that out quick or you'll fall behind and ultimately end up failing your class. Um, <laughs> Another adjustment is just being with my, like with my kids. Um, I'm a single parent, and I was in a space where, you know, I was able, I was working Monday through Friday, um, daytime hours, and we had free time to spend time with each other, and I do things with them, and we take trips and things like that. And with school, I'm still having to work. Um, and then go to school also. So I, I, it doesn't leave much time for me to spend a great deal with my, my kids. And then it's also my money too. I had to quit the job that I was working and I wasn't, you, I was making pretty good money, but I felt like I, if I was investing in myself, then I really needed to go ahead and put in the time to be successful with school so I had to quit my job and take a job that's paying me less than what I was making. And so that, that has been kind of like a sacrifice for me because I'm not able to do everything that I would normally do if I had stayed in my job. Right. So it's just been a lot of, and then, you know, I don't have, you know, the free time to spend with my friends, my family, you know, it's, it's been an adjustment for yeah. sure. So time has been like a really big sacrifice for you. Yeah, like, um, I've learned, like, to be successful in nursing school, you have to, you have to put time into it. Um, right. If you don't put the time into it, you, you won't do well. Right. So, so far, um, through this journey, like, have you learned anything, either one of you, that you've been a, you, like, aha moments that you've been able to take into real life and apply it to your day-to-day -day life? With the things yeah, that you've I learned say, as a nurse, go ahead. I'll, go ahead. I would say with having patience with people, um, with having patience, uh, it teaches you to pay attention to. You might not even do it without even thinking about, it, but pay attention to the fine details. Whereas that you may see something. Whether it's a parent or as, as a, if you see it from a parental standpoint, if you have children, you see your kids doing something, it may teach you to just wait a split second, just give it another second to see what are they seeing. Mm -hmm. So it just teaches you to use a more well-rounded approach towards things, you know, as opposed to just going with the first thing you see. It just teaches you to be very detailed. It's a lot of things I've learned. Okay. Okay. What about you, Jasmine? For me, just as far as what I've taken, the overall thing that I've taken back as far as like looking at the people that I've cared for and just how I live my life, is just to kind of take care of my body now while I'm young. Um, you know, 
sometimes we, we go about things and we do things pertaining to our health where we like, well, I can eat this cheeseburger or, or whatever, or I can smoke this cigarette or I can drink every day. I only live once. But those things have, in the long run, they they really do take a toll on your body. And seeing that, seeing people, you know, really, really sick from choices that they make. Even, um, I work at a hospital now and a patient told me, she was like, you know, take care of your body now. Um, so, you know, it, that's, that's one of the biggest things that I take away as far as, you know, just taking care of myself. So, you know, I won't have a bunch of health problems that are having me in the hospital. Right. And I know through this journey in nursing school, you chose to, you know, start working in the hospital. My question is, how have you been, I, both of you been able to handle the emotional stress or pain of, you know, it, seeing that sickness and that death with, while you're in the hospital every day? And Don, for you, once Jasmine answered that question, I have the same question for you, but I want to know. Um, since you've been in it so long, does it get better? So I'll let Jasmine a- answer the question first, and then we'll let you go. So for me, um, so I think for me, I'm still learning. Like, I'll see something, and it just bre- completely breaks my heart uh, when I see it. And I think that's why I kind of made the choice that, you know, I want to do women's health and work with babies. But... um I think for me, I kind of look at it as, you know, every patient that I'm dealing with, they are, um, you know, I can take something away from it. Even when I'm talking to patients or, you know, interacting with patients, I always try to walk away with, you know, just a take back, whether they're, you know, good, nice, friendly patients or if they, you know, rude and nasty, which, you know, sometimes when people are sick, they're just under that kind of stress and that's what... They give out to people, so. Um, but I think I'm still learning to just kind of deal with those patients where I look at them and I'm just like, oh my god. So you still you still going through it. that process of trying to deal with those type of struggles. Yeah. So Don, for you, how do you handle that? I know you've been in it a while, so I'm sure you probably have some strategies that you that helps you decompress after you know experiencing something like that with that um it 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 changes first of all the emotional aspect of it it changes as you progress through your career it depends on what part of you at and believe it or not it's harder in about year three to five than it is in year one two and three Reason being because by the time you get to year three, four, and five, you learn to take more accountability and responsibility for your patients. You know more, so therefore you feel you should have done more, you should have been able to do more, you should have maybe caught this sooner, or what did you not see? You know, a lot of times it's beyond your control in person, and to to help deal with that, you have to first of all keep in perspective that we're not God. We're servants of God. <laughs> and if you can keep that in perspective that sometimes when God says it's time for, for someone to come home, it's nothing you can do. It's nothing you can do. It's, it's it's time. Right, right. So if you keep it in perspective and you know you put your heart and soul into it each and every day, you go to work prayed up each and every day, and you pray for your families, you know, might not be directly because religion is different when you're talking about in a hospital, but you pray for your families. That helps. That helps a lot. As well as when, from the aspect of how you deal with the patients and their emotional state and how they deal, you always try to, even though they're maybe lashing out at you and fussing or cursing or upset at you, a lot of times these people are afraid. 
you go from having complete control of your life for 30, 40, 50 years of doing what you want to do, how you want to do, to now you can't get out of bed unless somebody give you the green light. You can't go to the restroom unless somebody help you. You have to have somebody, imagine somebody helping you do your bodily functions and they have to do it for you. They have, to hit, they have to do it for you. You go from one day doing all this for years and years and years by yourself to now it's a complete opposite. So it's learning to have an understanding and to be empathetic. They tell you not to be sympathetic, but it's no way you can do this job and not be sympathetic and put yourself in that person's shoes to be your best. So, so that... from that aspect. Hmm? No, go ahead. Now, as far as when you say about how do I deal with it day in and day out, like I said, it's different from year one, two, and three. One, two, three, you just you just keep coming back. I would tell anybody that's new to jazz, just keep going back. Pray about it, cry about it, get it out your system, keep coming back, keep coming back, and know that you did your best. And if you know you did your best, that family, they, everybody know. People know when you've done your absolute best. And you keep God first and you pray about it, to be, but that believes in religion. If not, then that's not. You don't have to. But for me, that's what helps keeps me in check. Right, right. And and you, you but and how you deal with the emotional aspect of, of like you know after the fact when you come home. Sometimes you bring that stuff home. Sometimes it comes home. Yeah, it wakes you out of your sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can sometimes hear the call bells. Going off, I remember the little quick story. The first time I worked in a, I went to a NICU where it was like 30, 40 some odd babies in there, really sick babies. And the months just kept going off, kept going off. And they have these episodes where they lose oxygen for temporary points of time. But I guess that was considered normal in that caliber of nursing. So they're not worried about it. But I still took those sounds home with me that following morning and it never left my mind. So it's just about taking a step back and taking it one day at a time and mm-hmm. looking forward to the next day. That's right. all you really can do. Right. And that and leads, talk to somebody about it. Talking, yeah, having someone to talk to would definitely help. But that leads to my next question. That's how you deal with it for yourself. What about those patients that you just, you know, talked about that is so used to doing things for themselves and now they can't, so they're not in a good space mentally? Um, how do you what do you, how do you motivate your patients? What do you do to motivate your patients? Education, education, reassurance, 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 over and over again to let them know this is okay. It's just temporary. Um, give you a quick little story for like you take a patient that has had a cabbage, meaning that coronary artery bypass valve. Basically, they just have open heart surgery to we just use the term rewire. Some, some lines to get oxygen to different parts of the heart that might not was getting it. Okay, you take these people, their life changes drastically for two months where they can't lift anything, they can't hold like a baby, they can't do anything, they can't push a certain way. So they have to, it's a complete life modification from what they had. So I tell these people, if you do it our way for two months, for two, three months, you can go back to doing everything you want to do for the rest of your life. In other words, you tell them that it has to be done this way, but you also give them a finish line to say, I can go back to my independence. Okay, if I do this just for a temporary, so you kind of bargain with them to get them to do it their way. And then you also tell them the downside that, hey, if you don't do this, you can you can cause yourself to have a incision infection and you can have pus come out your chest and then they're going to set you back another four to six months. Right, right. So you tell them the pros and you tell them the cons about it, but you mainly just be encouraging and let them know that, hey, just do this two, two, three months, get it out the way with, and you can go back to doing the rest of you, you do what you want for the rest of your life. So I just say reassurance and education. Right, okay. That's what I'm saying. Jasmine, yes, so with you, let me ask you the same question because I know you've been through, um, what do you call it? Um, what would you call it? Clinical? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, clinical. And yeah, you've had so- some experiences with patients as well. Um, what do you do to motivate your patients? Don said he, he educates them and try to motivate them through sharing the pros and the cons. What about you? So for, for us, while we're in clinical, it's a lot of stuff we can't do as far as, like, out of scope. 
uh, and part of that is we we do more patient teaching like amongst each other and not with patients only because like kind of legally we not a- allowed to mm-hmm. but you know when it comes to like patients that's having issues as far as like that we have patients that's embarrassed when you're coming in there to cl- and you're cleaning them up so like don said just you know telling letting them know that it's okay it's nothing to be embarrassed about and you know which it, it isn't you know if you need help you need help you're in the right place if you need help but um that's pretty much you know just you know take it easy going and not be judgmental with the patient so as far as like your teachers, have they shared any tips on how to keep the patient, you know, in a good space mentally? Um, it, so, yes and no. So kind of their approach is just like the caring approach, um, what they call like therapeutic communication as far as, you know, just with touch and listening and, you know, um, asking questions that's kind of what we're taught to do in nursing school okay now i know also in addition to that you if you ask a patient is it okay if i do this to you and you explain it to them and give them the plan of what your plan is for that day usually they're a lot more receptive when you ask, hey, do you mind if I check this? And you try to keep them covered in every which way possible. That tends to help a lot too. Then many cut you off. No, that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. I was gonna, I was gonna talk about healthcare and being in the hospital. And I know Jasmine currently, you do kind of, you're doing like a dual job. As far as he- healthcare, have there been? what opportunities one do both of you see as far as health care and then two have you had to make some challenging decisions as a nurse don to where are or even seen a doctor make these decisions to where you couldn't take certain certain actions because of the individual's insurance you can go first jasmine and then we can move to you don so i think i mean it's a it's an entire um nurses shortage everywhere I believe and kind of what I see at my hospital is so I work in the ER and we there's not really a lot of people of color that are nurses in the ER now there's plenty of them that are like techs and fitters and stuff like that um but as far as like nurses I probably I probably I don't know if I can even count on one hand how many nurses of color I've seen working in the ER and I think it's just more of a thing where it's not accessible um and even like with my friends that are Hispanic and they're in nursing school I, sometimes I see in the ER where the patients they speak no English and it's just no regard to that but they you know they tell them what they're doing but it's clear it's clear that the patient doesn't understand what's happening Mm -hmm. so um i think that you know if people were aware of how accessible it was to to become a nurse then they would you know we we definitely need more people representation in nursing okay so that would be the opportunity you see that we would need more um, diversity when it comes to nursing or anywhere in healthcare overall. So right. what about you, Don? Um, that same question and then, of course, the question in regards to not being able to make a decision based off of the type of insurance or the lack of insurance. Okay, the, the initial question was, what do I see the need for opportunities? Yeah. Do you see any need for opportunities in, in healthcare overall? Uh, it's a couple of things. Um, uh, Jeff said a very big one, which is diversity. I'm big on that and seeing more people of color, um, get into the healthcare field. And a lot of people don't do it because they feel that either it's too hard or they feel, oh, it's blood, it's guts, or this, that, and other, or that's not necessarily what I want to do. But to be truthful, but 
majority of the people do jobs that they don't really want to do every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if you ask them where do they want to work, what's their dream job, majority of people will tell you something other than what they're doing. So, you know, so I would say room for diversity. As well as I would say that nurses should be taken more seriously. Our value should be more in the way it's weighted inside a hospital. I think that's it's a very, very, very crucial need for that. Well, the hospital administration, et cetera, should value nurses more. Should value nurses more because you cannot run a hospital without nurses. Right, right. We're required, rather than under, just you say, scope or out of scope, per se, um, a practice, we're required to know what that doctor's thinking, what they're going to do, predict what's going to be their next move. We're required to know all these things. We're, no, we're expected to know all these things. But we're not compensated or treated accordingly. Not necessarily saying that all hospitals treat their nurses bad, but no, but not to the level of what the doctor, and I'll give you an example. You go to any hospital, you're going to see physicians' personal parking. Just giving a little example. They have their own special parking close, close by the front of the entrance. You can't park there as a nurse. Listen, you know, but let you park there as a nurse, guess what? They threatened to tow your vehicle. It's all kind of big deal. It goes to administration, the whole nine. They want you to just park anywhere. Not that it's an issue for us, but the question is, why do they get special parking and we don't as if we're not valuable, as valuable to this facility? Right, right. So I just think across the board, nurses should be valued more. That makes sense as an opportunity to show more appreciation um, and, and not just by the, the hospital as a whole, but I, what about the doctors? Do they show their appreciation for you nurses throughout the process or no? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, you have some doctors that hospitals may allow them to act crazy and go off on people and do all that stuff. But those are two to be mostly anomalies uh, when that happened. But usually we have a good rapport with all the doctors. So it's really never an issue with the doctors. Doctors, they appreciate us. Yeah. You know, so it's not really even them. It's just the way the system itself is set up that I think should do a better job of, of putting more into the value of nurses. Okay. Now, going back to the question in regards to like the health care or the health insurance, have you have there? Do you often see that people are or decisions are being made based off of your insurance, the type of insurance or the lack lack of insurance? To a certain degree, in order like if a patient need a procedure, depending on if they like if you work at certain hospitals that, guess you say, that are not state facilities. They would just transfer that patient to that facility. So you still can be able to get good health care. It just may have to be done different, where that you may get transferred to a state facility, what they call a learning facility, where you have residents and medical students that may be more hands-on with doing the procedures as opposed to a doctor that has been doing it, you know, 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. that it completed all this medical school training, you know, residencies and fellowships and all that other good stuff. And sometimes it's not a bad thing to have an, uh, a, med, a medical, not a, 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 I guess you say a resident, not necessarily a medical student because those are different, having a, a resident doing your procedure because they caught up on current medical practices. They're more in tune with, with you know, with the precision of, do this and this, do this at that point where a doctor may come up with his own routine, not saying that he's working outside his scope of practice because he's doing it the right way. He just may do it a little bit different. Right. right. So you can still get uh, good quality help here. You just may have to get it at a different place. Whereas that if you have a big, it would just say a fancy hospital for people that, but no, they may transfer you to the quote unquote state facility. Mm-hmm. 
you still be able to get the procedure and get the surgery you need, whether you have insurance or not. You just may have to go through a little more hoops and loops. It might take you a little bit longer to get it, but you can still get the care you need. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. And going back to what you said about, you know, people having jobs that they don't enjoy, I will say for this job that both of you are um, on this journey that you're on, you have to have compassion for people doing this job. And me knowing the both of you, I think it's a perfect fit for both of you. Um, but how, how do you deal when you run into someone that doesn't have that compassion for people? Like, you know, that they just they decided to do this job because of the money. Have you had peers like that, that you've had to have a pep talk with, or do you just distance yourself from it? And even with you, Jasmine, we can move to you and ask, have you ran into people in school where you look like, oh, I know you just doing this because you think nursing pays a lot of money. You're not going to make it because you don't like people. Have you had to have those conversations? So, um, I've had, I have had, had a few classmates where you can just kind of, you can tell like they're in it for the money and for the, for the exception of just one of them, um, they kind of get, they kind of fell out quick because, you know, you can only take it for so long. Now, that's not to say that, like, even when I'm in the ER, you can look at those nurses, and it could be, like, a compassion burnout where they're just, you know, tired, and so they don't even have it in them no more to be compassionate for patients. But um, for the most part, they, they keep an eye on it, especially in clinical and we're, at my school, we have, like, a past field with clinical. So if you, and they have certain type of um, criteria you need to display in order to pass. So they're pretty good about kind of getting you out of there if, you know, they see red flags. But um, I, I see it all the time in the ER where you can just tell, and I just try to distance myself and then you know that just shows me kind of there's just an example of what i don't want to be once i am a nurse right that's a good way that's a good way to look at it that's a good takeaway from that situation i like that what about you don okay now for me it, it goes a couple different ways with doing it you know a little while now and able to be around numerous of people in different walks of life my opinion on that is that some you get different stories. When people that you see that are like that, that you be like, well, they, they cannot love what they do. Believe it or not, a lot of majority of those people do love what they do. It's like you said, it may be burnt out from ways that they feel that they are being treated. Or, again, it goes back to how they feel they're respected. It goes back to the workload and what they, because they constantly keep changing things for nurses. People, you may hear this say, it's always something constantly changes for nurses. Like if a, if Joint Commission, which is the governing body that come in and check all the hospitals to make sure that all hospitals are up to standards, so on and so forth. When they make a lot of changes, it mainly affects the nurses that have to do something different. It usually falls back on nursing. Hospital as a whole may have to do this, may have to do that. But majority of the time, a lot of those changes comes with added paperwork on top of or maybe what may be an extensive workload already. Where, okay, well, they want us to do this this way. They may want to change the way we document this. Um, they may they may want us to, you know, add this extra documentation on top of this that they want you to do every single night on top of all the other duties that you have. And you may have a patient that's calling you out all the time where you got to give a lot of attention and time to, but they still, hey, well, we got to have this here done. We got to have this here done. Additional extra stuff that in some nurses' mind, they might not feel that that's necessary. Right, right. So, again, it goes back to when I initially said that it's how we are valued and how we're treated as a whole that it affects those nurses. So do you guys have those conversations uh, amongst each other to say, even when you have a peer that is like down and you know that they love the job, how do you, how do you motivate your peers when they get to a point to where they feel burnout or 
unappreciated? It depends. Sometimes people just want to vent and get it out. Right. Sometimes people, they do better with just venting and getting it out. So sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to be a good listener. Right, okay. And you come back and talk to them at a separate time. Mm-hmm. Some people, they're not trying to hear it at that time. Right. So you do more harm than good by doing it at that time. And some people, they just want to get it out. They just, but they take care of their patients just by they, they come in and you can go behind, close door, and they'll tell you this, 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 they tell you whatever they got to tell you. Then they go back out giving that patient a lot of love and attention mm-hmm. and the patient never knows the difference that that's what's going on within that nurse. Okay. So we know it amongst each other, but a lot of times that might not necessarily cross over to the patient. So I want to make sure that that's known that mm-hmm. a lot of times that just be what we talk amongst ourselves. Right. And right. when it is somebody that you may feel like, Hey, your attitude, you put them to the side and say, I know it's frustrating. What can I do for you? Mm-hmm. Go take, go, go to that. I got this. You, you try to have their back and help save them from themselves because sometimes you may need somebody to come and have your back and save you from yourself. Right. Well, I hope for the most part that it doesn't, you know, transition over to the care of your patient. But I have had experiences where I could tell and I could say, oh, she does not like her job. And I've had experiences where it's been family members where I've had to pull a nurse to the side myself to say, listen, you know, you may want to choose another career because you're not, this is not how you should treat um, people, so I was just interested to know how you all deal with that amongst yourself, or even I like the fact that you said, Jasmine, that school at school that they pay attention to that because I think some of them do get through mm-hmm. the cracks, and I like the fact that they, you know, pay attention to that even during the That's the good. process of going to school. Now, my question, um, Jasmine, how long is your program? How long will it take from start to finish your program? It takes. So it depends on when you start. Um, it's, it, it is either four to five semesters. For me, I started spring and on the spring semester. So I took a fifth, I took a, a additional semester in the summer for my mental health class. But I have, uh, I know people that started in the fall and they just took four semesters and they, you know, they skipped the summer. So it just, but it takes two years. And oh. if they are offering the last semester in the summer, then you could be done a little faster in the summer. Is that about but, the same um, time that it took you, um, Don, to complete your program? For me, it took a little longer because I had to, uh, you know, with on top of that, I had other issues going on, personal issues going on, where it took me a little longer because the way I had to do my track, I had to take less classes. Okay. Okay. Uh, but from start to finish, because it's two years, I don't know for, for Jasmine, but it, for me, it was like two years of clinical straight. So you have about a year, a year and a half of prerequisites. If, you, if you're doing it, humping it pretty good, you can go ahead and uh, knock it out in about three, about three, three and a half years, if you get in right off the bat. Okay. So they tell you a two-year associate's degree, a two-year degree, but it usually... Takes it can take a little longer if you do it the way that we did. And there's a couple of different ways you can take what some you taking some of your core classes, uh, uh, or you take some of your prerequisite or preclinical classes. They allow you to take some of those classes during clinicals, but they usually want you to have all that stuff done. So that's what makes it about that three mm-hmm. three and a half year point. Oh, okay. And Jasmine, what what have you learned from cl- clinicals like? What has been the area that you've learned the most from, you would say, so far? Um, now your patient care, just seeing our, our seeing like the different disease processes and per, like in real time, um, especially before I started working in the hospital, it kind of helps you connect the dots. And what you're learning when we do the lecture classes. Okay. What are you looking? What are you looking forward to the most? Um. So I really want to um, work with in women's health, and I did like a rotation in NICU, and I really, really like working in the NICU. So I'm just ready to, you know, be able to work on my own and which will be a little while, but um, and just have that uh, autonomy to care for my patients the way that I want to. Okay. 
So, um, Don, what has been the most rewarding thing for you at being a nurse? For me, is the gift of life. I think that's the greatest gift you can give anybody. It's another chance, doing your part to give them another chance at life, mm-hmm. to give their family another chance at having them in their lives, which takes me back to when Jazz mentioned about her OB. Believe it or not, as a male, that was my favorite rotation was OB Women's Health because you're able to help somebody bring life into the world. And you think about all the possibility that goes beyond that. But I would say it was it was being able to help help somebody have another chance at life. Okay. And you what? Know, where, hmm? No, go ahead. Oh, where it just may seem like it wasn't going to happen. Or if you look at my background of being in the ICU where you take the sickest of the sick, there's nowhere else you can go other than to the ICU, you know. No matter where you're at in the world, ICU is it. Okay. You know, so to be kind of like that last line of defense is very rewarding, you know. And you, so rewarding. you made the decision to become a travel nurse. How did you make that decision? And has that been um, more rewarding than being stationary? Okay. I did make that decision. It came down to... Simply, I've already had been doing it for some years to establish the fact that I love what I do. I also wanted to see how things worked in other parts of the country. I also wanted to be able to provide more for my family, more for my children. So that leads you to want to do, to do, you know, travel assignments. Like I said, I started out doing strikes where you go for about a week or two, and whenever they resolve. They dispute with they with the force with their union disputes at whatever facility you may go to, and then you come back home. So you kind of start getting that taste, and then you say, "Okay, I was able to do this, this, this for my family." So they usually what drives most people to do travel nursing uh, is to try to provide a better better means of living for their family. Oh, okay, that makes sense. It, it it pays more. Okay, is there a max number of hours that you can work as a nurse? I know. You all work really long hours. Is there a max number of hours? Yes. Legally, throughout the course of it, of a day, federal law states that you can't work no more than 20, 20 hours in the course of any physical, you know, in a physical one day, mm-hmm. 20 hours. But it's really not a max. Most facilities try to manage, you know, Yes, you say when they use an NBA term, load management. They try to manage the amount of hours employees work. They try to keep the four, five days a week of twelve-hour shifts. But if they need you, depending on the need, they'll let you work. They'll let you work as much as you pretty much want to, as far as in the amount of calendar days. But they still hold strict to that twenty-hour work schedule. They try not to rarely do that. They usually just kind of tap you out about sixteen. Oh, okay. And it's the same with traveling nurses and is are the rules the same across the board? How does that process work? You just then you got do you have to go through a, a certain training for each hospital you move to? Like how does that work? Now with that the rules are really when they come down to labor laws as far as that's usually the same everywhere where you just usually don't work no more than 16 but they can tap you they can max you out at 20 hours for that day so that doesn't really change um and yes you do have to do like a similar like a little small kind of hospital orientation for each facility that you go to uh it's kind of like a fast track you make it like four hours you may get one whole shift to have someone with you but as a travel nurse you're expected to to kind of know what you're doing. You're expected to know what you're doing to where you can hit the ground running. You may, with the computer charting system where we put the information in, those may vary and may be different. But usually, they all, people don't know that majority, that, that it's one company that basically service all those sub companies. So basically, they use the same format anyway. Mm-hmm. It may be different colors, set up a little different. They may want more of an emphasis on this where the other may want that but generally that stuff comes out to be the same right. so yeah so they give, they do give you like an orientation period anywhere from four hours to a whole entire shift okay so jasmine let me ask you this question and then i'm gonna ask don like 
you go through classes and everything and then you go to clinicals what what have you noticed that in class i learned this but i have not been able to utilize it yet in this clinical process and you don't think that you will once you become a nurse uh, it's a lot. So as far as so we in in theory we learn a lot of um we learn like a lot of about like disease processes and it just depends on your clinical day. Like you may have a clinical day where you won't see any of it. Uh, it's for me. It's it actually connects the dots more than it doesn't, though. Okay. Like you, you learn something um, in in theory, or you know something. Yeah, you learn something in theory, and then you you can see it in real person at clinical. So it's more times that it connects the dots the dots when than it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more maybe like disease processes we. We learn a lot of disease processes, especially like in the second half, and you probably won't see it just depending on the clinical day that you have. Oh, okay. So with you, Dom, what has it been that you learned in school now that you're a nurse? you like, I'd never use that. Off the top of my head, and just listening to Jazz and with her speaking about her clinical experience and kind of relating it and taking me back to my clinical experience, you pretty much are gonna use everything. You're gonna use it. You're gonna use it. Some people may try to say that they won't, but to do nursing the right way, if you stick with what you learn in school and you do it by the book per se, you'll be okay. Okay. Now, if you try to get outside of doing it, outside of what you know, I would say what the book will tell you or what the literature tell you, then you can start having some legal problems eventually. So you would definitely use everything. You might not see it all at one time. You may have to do a lot of refreshers. What what I did was my first, for sure, three to five years, I read a lot outside of my job. And you may find a lot of nurses might not do that. And that helps you later. So I read a lot of my patients. So if I have a patient with this kind of disease process, or this particular equipment, or something like that. I really read, I really read up on those patients, and right. I would do it over and over again. Or if I have a patient that may have what they call COPD, you know, you know, basically where they just have a a lung obstruction, basically where it affects their breathing. Right, right, right. You know, if I didn't, if I couldn't recite it off the top of my head with the information I needed to know, then I would go back and read it again. Right. So you're pretty much saying everything will eventually come back around full yeah. circle eventually it, it, it will okay it definitely will so uh jazz do you have any and i say jazz i call her jazz you started calling her jazz jasmine nurse jasmine sorry <laughs> do you have any questions um uh, for don since he's been he's experienced do you have any specific questions to ask him uh i, I well i guess i'm curious to know what's been his Special or his favorite area to work in? My favorite area, believe it or not, it goes back to when I was in clinicals was was OB, women's health. That was my favorite. And and it's close, like neck and neck with ICU, which is what I do now. I would say more surgical ICU, which is AKA trauma. They are interchangeable uh, as far as when you say my overall favorite. Because in uh, and I see in surgical ICU, you get a little bit of everything. You get everything. You can get transplants. You can get gunshots. You can get knife stab wounds. You can get or maxillofacial surgeries where they may have to, you know, take out some something from somebody that may have throat cancer or something like that. You name it. Uh, or they have head trauma, but if they got other physical body physical issues, injuries that go on, or other bodily injuries, they'll put them in a surgical ICU instead of a maybe a neuro ICU. So I like that because you get a good well-round skills of, of everything. So as a new so, nurse, what's the area that you would recommend a, a new nurse coming in go into? I would say for yeah, it seems like she wants to do women's health. If she can get in women's health, I definitely say to do that. 
if because it's going to be different, and I give you a couple different scenarios. If it's a person that's very timid about healthcare, very timid, and feel that ICU may be too much for them, and that's a bit much, I would definitely say they need to start at med surge or telemetry. Something like that, where they work their way up. Some people have to have that gradual process. But I tell a nurse that if they know that they ultimately want to end up in ICU, I tell them just go directly to the ICU. Okay. So, in a nutshell, if you want to do women's health and you know that's what you truly want to do, I say go shoot for it. Go for women's health. Go right off the bat. If you know that you gonna end up in the ICU eventually, I say go directly <laughs> to ICU. Okay. That was the only question you had, Jazz? Yes, it was. Okay. All right. So what is your closing remark, Don? This is it. And and I'll be done. I just wanna tell any person, any new nurse before you start clinicals or even during your clinicals, if you can take a Hearst review, that's H U R S T review com. If you go to their website, the class does cost about $400. It's going to condense everything that you're going to school for, everything you're doing. You can use that for two years outside of you taking that class. So it basically helps you walk all the way through clinicals, condensing the different systems of the body to make it where you can easily understand it and help you with your test questions. It basically gives you the blueprint to getting outside of clinicals. So HurstReview.com is worth it. Okay. All right, Jasmine, is that a part of your process? Um, girl, I'm just trying to make it through. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you? What advice do you have for any? What advice do you have, Jasmine, for anyone that that's thinking about going into nursing? Um, I would say that you know, kind of you know, get organized and you know go into it with a clear mind because you you will need it yeah it sounds like it's a lot and again thank you thank you thank you we had a really good conversation thank both of you for sitting down sharing your career journey as always my hope is that the conversation answers questions for anyone who's thinking about taking this same career path And thank all of you for joining in on the conversation today. Don't forget to make all of your conversations count. Sending positive energy out to everyone. Hope you all have a wonderful day.